VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. It's always an honor and a pleasure to be with you each week and bring you such amazing guests who enlighten and inspire you, who help you turn your obstacles into opportunities, your problems into solutions, and ultimately to help you make your dreams come true and to help you live the kind of life that you really want to live. You can give us a call, and our number is 866-472-5788. And that is if you are listening live today, which would be the 11th of February on Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern or 11 a.m. Pacific. Today we're talking about healing, specifically spirit body healing, which is a revolutionary program designed to heal and inspire. And my guest is co-author Mary Brockwood Lane of the book Spirit Body Healing, Using Your Mind's Eye to Unlock the Medicine Within. This book is based on a landmark seven-year university study, which is the first book on spiritual healing to emerge from a research study in a major university healthcare center. Mary Rockwood Lane is an RN, PhD, and she's one of the world's experts on healing and art. She's the co-founder and co-director of the Arts and Medicine Program at the University of Florida, where the Spirit Body Healing Study was conducted. Welcome, Mary. Oh, welcome. I'm glad to be here. You know, I've had you on this program several times before, and I've known you for a while, and this study was conducted several years ago. What amazes me about this is the power of using these affirmations, meditations, and this type of healing to actually really get in touch with what's going on in your life, particularly physical pain. Right. Yes, and this study was conducted was really an opportunity to ask individuals who had engaged in creative activities that were dealing with their own pain, their suffering, sometimes even in many cases facing their own living at the end of their life and really being able to deal with their pain in a creative and passionate way and how it could transform their life and heal them at a very deep level. So does that mean from your book that they actually not only get and feel the pain but get in touch with it and be able to relate to it so they can give voice to the pain? Yes. Basically, I made an important discovery that when people went inside themselves and actually were able to embrace their experience of their pain and allow themselves to experience it and then express it in a creative way, they actually experienced a shift in consciousness, and they began to feel and experience their life in a new way. And when we went through interviewing individuals, we found that there were themes that emerged in the individuals and the people that I was interviewing. And people were able to talk about what it was that was healing them in their lives and what the experience of a spiritual healing was. Mm -hmm. Each person began in a place 
of darkness and fear and pain. And through an experience of their own creativity, they were able to move from that place to a place of healing where they described feeling intensely alive and almost transformed. You know, I remember when I first got this book, I remember doing one of these exercises, Mm -hmm. which instructed me to feel whatever the pain was. And I think I remember it vividly. It was actually a sore throat. And I felt this pain, and I could feel almost like knives. It felt like knives in my throat. Now, what I found with that, and here's my question, is that the pain, as I felt, it got more intense. As it got more intense, it hurt more. But I found that if I stayed with it, then all of a sudden, almost magically, it would, like, disseminate in a sense. It It would really almost go away. But it had to intensify first. Talk about that, Mary. Well, I think when we go inside an experience of pain, if we avoid it, we are resisting it and we are resisting the experience that we're actually holding in a very real sense inside of ourselves. So when you did that exercise and you were able to experience that sore throat and experience the intensity of it, you were able to allow the pain to express itself within you, and it almost like when it gets to an intensity, it begins to dissolve. It's mm-hmm. like it becomes more intensified, and then it releases itself, and then it begins to resolve. In the same way that we breathe, we breathe in a breath, and then we let it go. We breathe and embrace our pain. And it's when we can do that, that's when we can let it go. But how do you encourage people to stay with it when, the, when it really becomes painful or it hurts? Well, one of the ways to do that is pain really is inside a space that's within us. We hold it in our bodies, we hold it in our minds, and we actually hold it in the essential part of ourselves. So when we go to this place with the pain and we allow it to become full, real, intensified, totally embodied, what we begin to realize is the pain is within us, but we are actually larger than the pain. Mm -hmm. We actually begin to feel ourselves becoming expanding, and the pain is held in a space that we can begin to see it, but we we can become aware and witness that we are actually, in essence, larger than the pain. We can embrace the pain. We can soothe ourselves and comfort ourselves while we can actually let it express itself. It's almost like letting a baby cry, letting the Mm -hmm. pain emerge, letting it come out within you, letting yourself feel the physicality of it, and it will hold itself, and then it begins to dissolve and we are holding it, compassionate. Now, how did you do this research? How did this translate into tangible research? Well, what I did was I did, I did a method of research that was very interesting because I was very interested in what people's experience was. What was their experience of pain? And what was their experience of healing when they engaged in making art? And art could be from painting, dancing, writing, making poetry, or doing theater. 
in that, when I was at that stage, I was really looking at people who took their pain, a physical or emotional experience of pain, and they actually used it as part of their creative expression. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to understand how people actually took the pain and felt that they were healed by it. So what I wanted to do is I asked people. I, had, I asked people who had said this had happened to them and it was a very healing experience, and I wanted to understand that. So I asked <coughs> each person, what was happening when you had your pain? What was the creative experience like? And what exactly happened to you? Which and then you would write those answers down and put them on some kind of scale? Right. What I actually did is I tape-recorded all the interviews. I wrote down all the interviews. I was about three- to four-hour interviews, sometimes less, with each participant. And I was able to sort of begin to look at, with a critical mind, what was actually happening in these people's lives mm-hmm. that they were saying that was their actual experience. And then I was able to see how themes were emerging and how there actually was an experience that, was, that, they, that actually happened based on their actual experience, what this happened. And then I was able to look at these interviews and analyze these interviews for thematic essences of how mm-hmm. people were telling me the stories. And since that time, that's a qualitative analysis. Mm-hmm. And since that time, you're able to take this qualitative analysis and make it something that's even more measurable quantitatively by l- having people fill out questionnaires and rating it on a scale. Okay, so after you got the qualitative results, then you went back and had them fill out another questionnaire. Right, that with a di- in different studies with different populations. So mm. you're beginning to understand how these experiences can be measured. And what were the results? What did you find on this scale? Well, what I found was, is the experience, the first research that was conducted, which was a research study at the University of Florida where we had actually worked with patients and families that were involved in get, receiving care in a major university healthcare program who were able to participate in making art. These were the participants that really looked at how we could understand this to begin with. And what we found was is that people talked about their pain and they also talked about being able to move through this pain into a place of spiritual healing. Mm-hmm. And they described this through their stories, primarily in the very beginning, that they were able to be connected to their pain, find themselves being creative, and then they experienced a turning point, right. realizing that it was like a sudden experience of knowing this was the truth, and trusting the process, feeling healing energy and compassion, and then moving to a place of transcendence. Hmm. All right, when we come back from the break, Mary, what I really like to talk about are some of the experiences that people went through and what exactly do you do? How do you actually see this pain? What does it look like? Does it talk to you? If it does, what does it say? What is some, what's some of the feedback that you've gotten from people who've told you their stories and written on their questionnaires? My guest today, folks, is Mary Rockwood Lane, RN, Ph.D., who is the co-author of the book Spirit Body Healing, Using Your Mind's Eye to Unlock the Medicine Within. 
Mary Rockwood Lane is one of the world's experts on healing and art, and she's co-founder and co-director of the Arts and Medicine Program at the University of Florida. And you can give us a call after the break if you are listening live on February 11th between 2 and 3 p.m. Eastern or between 11 and noon Pacific. You can call us with questions for Mary around healing yourself when you're in pain at 866-472-5788. If you're not listening on February 11th, then this is the archive show, and you can log on to the website, which, Mary, is spiritbodyhealing.com? Yes. Spiritbodyhealing.com. Stay tuned, folks. You're listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. We'll be right back. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guest jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america hey dad what i can't get the ketchup bottle open Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Had an accident? The people you may encounter may be attorneys, doctors, and insurance agents. How do you protect yourself and your family? Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff, an experienced trial attorney and former legislator. Attorney Woodruff and his expert guests assist and inform on what to do in a crisis, what steps to take, what to avoid, and most important, what you need to know to get through the process. Meeting by Accident broadcasts every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America channel. Because being informed makes all the difference. Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
about turning your problems into solutions, your challenges into opportunities. It's about inspiration, spirituality, making your dreams come true. And it's also about some magic as well. And today there is an element of magic in our program. We are talking about really healing yourself, understanding and being able to get inside of the pain that you feel, and actually healing it. My guest is Mary Rockwood Lane, who is an RN and a PhD. She is co-author of the book, Spirit Body Healing, Using Your Mind's Eye to Unlock the Medicine Within. And this is really based on a seven-year university study, which is the first book on spiritual healing to emerge from a research study in a major university health care center. And Mary is affiliated with the University of Florida. Welcome back, Mary. Welcome. Okay, give us or tell us a story of a patient, of someone in the book or someone you worked with mm-hmm. who talked to the pain, got in touch with it, was able to give it form and shape and voice. What did it say and how did it help that person? Well, I want to share a story about a man that I had interviewed who was in a hospital with advanced kidney cancer and was told that it was fatal. And he was in a place at this time when he was in tremendous despair. And he'd been in the hospital and they had been giving him medicines and chemotherapy. And he had made a decision that he really didn't want to live anymore. But one morning, it was really early and it was before dawn, and he told me he went up up to the roof. And he was so upset, he was desperate and he felt like he wanted to die and he was afraid, and he was at this point in his life where he was really at the wit's end. And suddenly, he was in, suddenly he said he watched the sunrise, and all of a sudden, he heard the birds singing. And he suddenly stopped. And he suddenly, at that moment, felt a stillness in his body, and like the wind was cleansing him. Mm. And he went outside, he was outside, And he suddenly realized that he woke up that day and he felt differently in his body. It was like he suddenly woke up and heard the birds singing. And he went to a place inside himself where he began to ask himself, what was important? Why do the birds sing? What's going on? And all of a sudden, his whole body felt like it had become, he said it was like it became a way in which he could hear it speaking to him for the first time. And he began to listen in a different way than he had ever heard before. And he realized that his cancer was really calling him to really live each and every day more fully. And he began to realize that what was so important in his life was being able to listen and find out what was essential to him and what was the reason that he woke up every day and what was the most important thing he wanted to do that day. And Mm -hmm. it was as if when he heard the birds sing, it was as if something inside of him began to speak through him and he began to listen, where before it was just pain and darkness and confusion. So what he got from this was to stop living in the darkness and to start moving toward the light, and, and he was being given life, so live. That's what right. you're saying. And what he was able to do was he went to a place 
where he was in his pain totally fully. He was desperate. He was at the end. It was so excruciating. He wanted to just, in that moment, die because the pain was so overwhelming. He just, it was unbearable for him. And he went to that place where it peaked in its total overwhelming experience. And he stood there sort of overwhelmed by the pain, sort of consumed by this pain. And he suddenly stood there and it was like peaking, and suddenly he heard a bird sing. <laughs> and he was able to go back inside of his body and listen, listen to the experience of the pain. And it was as if the pain began to release and say, what is the most important thing to you? It was like the pain was gripping him mm-hmm. to pay attention to what was the most important thing. Now, Mary, if someone is listening to this and they're saying, I, I can't imagine being there or staying with my pain long enough to have it speak to me, what advice would you give them in terms of steps they can take to move toward that process? I think one of the steps to take is to allow yourself to hold yourself in compassion and hold yourself Embrace yourself with love because within your own body is a safe harbor in which we hold all the experiences of our lives. And having faith that we can actually handle what is the truth for us is very, very important. It may seem unbearable, but it's like a wave. It's like a a wave that comes through us. And it's very important for the listeners to know that it comes and it goes. We embrace it and we let it go. It peaks and it recedes. And I know in those moments where we're in the pain and it feels so overwhelming and so frightening, it's so important to know that we can hold our pain and that the pain is inside of us and we're holding it whether we realize its expression or not. Now, when you say holding it, do you mean breathing it in and holding it? I mean being with it, being with the experience of our own pain, allowing ourselves to be with it, merge with it, and experience it. It may feel like we're going to die, but we're not going to die. We actually are going to be able to breathe through it, and it will, resi- it will, it will go away. And if you allow the pain to emerge from within, emerge from that darkness, the pain will bring with it images, messages, voices. We will actually learn from that. It's a teacher that is within us that is a wise, wise part of ourselves. What are some of the images that people have told you they see when they see the pain? Well, one of the things that's very amazing when people allow themselves to go into this experience of pain. Sometimes they have images. First, they might have a memory. Or they might remember an incident that happens where they experience this pain for the first time. But what happens inside this pain is that you're not alone. You are not alone. You're actually there with yourself. And you're there with your whole being, and you're also there many times with angels, with guides, 
with memories of people that have loved you and been there for you, experiences of angels, and experiences being held by God. Many people who tell the story actually tell me when they experience this pain and they return to these memories and these images, they actually go to a place where suddenly something is revealed to them inside this experience that captures them, that they witness themselves in a place they are being held, where they're being held by an angel, they're being held by a presence or an energy that's larger than them, that suddenly they realize that they're not alone, that they're experiencing their own ability to love themselves, be compassionate with themselves, tap into the inner resources that are within them that is even beyond their wildest imagination where they actually are connected to their spiritual experience and dimension within. That's very powerful. Very powerful. Yeah, it is powerful. In the beginning, when somebody wants to go there but isn't there yet, should they first just let the pain be and instead of gripping or fighting against it, just let it flow. What's your advice to somebody who wants to get into this process? The most important thing is to place yourself physically in a place where you're safe and you have time. You have time to be with yourself. You have time to let whatever emerges in you. You have time to let it be there. Many times, When you engage in a creative process and you've decided to let your pain come through yourself, whether you're painting or you're making poetry or you're moving or you're meditating or you're doing something in your life where you're fully engaged that has movement, when you let the pain begin to flow in this place of movement within you, it begins to transform right then and there. It may intensify, but you're letting it come through you. Like you may be just using um, something as simple as a guided imagery where you let the imagery flow through you and then you begin to paint or you begin to draw or you begin to tell a story or you begin to write. And inside the writing, if you just let it go without any critic, without any censoring, just giving yourself totally permission to let something flow, honoring whatever emerges. Let what is unknown to you become known to you. Mary, do you think that it's wise to have help with this, to use a guided imagery tape or to go to a group experience rather than trying to do it yourself? Do you think it's harder to do it all by yourself? I think you can do it in both ways. I actually think that you have a healer within you, someone who is wise, someone who's deeply compassionate, someone who's deeply connected to a divine presence in your life. And when you open yourself up to this divine presence and this divine guidance within you, you will find within yourself the answers that you're seeking and the experiences that are healing. You can do this in your own studio. You can do this listening to guided imagery tapes by letting the images emerge within you and let those images speak to you. These are actual experiences that you have within your inner world. 
Okay. Our inner world is vast and infinite. All right, we're going to take a break on that note. My guest today is Mary Rockwood Lane, RN, PhD, and we're talking about healing ourselves. The book is Spirit Body Healing, Using Your Mind's Eye to Unlock the Medicine Within. This book was written about eight years ago, and we're going to talk about where the research is now. Mary Rockwood Lane is one of the world's experts on healing and art, and she's co-founder and co-director of the Arts and Medicine Program at the University of Florida, where this spirit body healing study was conducted. And this is a study that was really the first research study on healing that has been done in a university setting. So, folks, we'd love to hear from you after the break. You can give us a call at 800, excuse me, 866-472-5788. You're listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Wine and Women is not your boring wine geek show. It is rather a fresh, fast-paced approach featuring interesting stories and entertaining segments about wine and wine-related topics through a warm and chatty format that will appeal especially to women, men optional. Hosted by wine connoisseurs and luxury lifestyle experts, Julie Brosterman, Lisa Kring, Sharon Borston, and Jeanette Oku, Wine and Women takes listeners to Napa, Sonoma, and other wine regions worldwide to meet the best as well as the newest winemakers, to restaurants to meet top chefs and some to wine-themed spas, wine country getaways, even into supermarket wine aisles where Women and Wine Angels swoops down and helps shoppers to get their wine picks and more. Women and Wine broadcasts each Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Women and Wine, enjoying life one sip at a time. I can take care of myself. I can make a peanut butter sandwich. I can brush my teeth and I can give myself a bath. I can walk home alone from school. I can pick dinner from the trash behind the deli. I can watch the baby for the whole weekend. I can keep a baseball bat by my bed just in case there's trouble. Don't worry about me. I can take care of myself. If you're in jail, who'll be there to take care of your family? Something to think about before committing a gun crime. Gun crimes hit home. This message brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Voiceamerica.com. Hi, 
Hi everyone, we are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. And today we are talking about spirit body healing, which is really the truth about how spirit and creativity can heal us. It's about new tools and new ways of our capacity to really heal ourselves. And it is co-authored by Michael Samuels, M.D., and Mary Rockwood Lane, R.N., Ph.D., and the name of the book is Spirit Body Healing. Use your mind's eye to unlock the medicine within. And my guest today is Mary Rockwood Lane, and this book, which was written in 2000, is based on a landmark seven-year study, which was done in a university, which is the first book on spiritual healing to emerge from a research study in a major university healthcare center, which is at the University of Florida in Gainesville. Welcome back, Mary. Welcome. You know, where are you now? I mean, this book was written in 2000. You had already spent seven years of research. Now it's seven to eight years later. The question is, how has it grown? Where are you now? Where has the study taken us? Well, what's very exciting is many universities across the nation have created centers for spirituality and health. We have had more courses that have been introduced to medical schools and other healthcare providers who are really looking at how important it is to honor the expression of people's spirituality in reference to their healing and facilitating healing. There's also been a tremendous amount of research. For example, at Duke University, um, Harold Koning has done many studies really measuring now quantitatively people who have spiritual behaviors, for example, that of expressing themselves through their religious practices, really demonstrating that these people have, these particular patient populations, have an enhanced immune system, also have the longevity, have a greater longevity, and that what we found that practicing spiritual practices actually makes a major difference in your capacity to get well, to heal, to live longer, and boost your autoimmune system. So you're talking about doing spiritual practices on a regular basis, not just when you're sick. On a regular basis. We're finding that when people do meditation, guided imagery, they actually are doing spiritual practice of prayer. In many, in any of the expressions where people are able to move into that state of transcendence, that state of prayer, that altered state of consciousness, where they're able to, they, they are able to recognize they are moving into a more spiritual way of being. They're able to demonstrate physiolo- physiologically what this state is, and it's different from our other states of consciousness. It actually has physiological parameters that are measurable now, and we're also able to look at when someone is in these physiological states in spiritual experiences, these are health-enhancing. So that is a major turn that we're beginning to learn as healthcare professionals, that this is making a major difference. So therefore, as we realize that this is very important, that it's really important for physicians and nurses and healthcare providers facilitate this kind of practice in people's lives and recognizing the significance of it. So this has really grown over the last eight years. It has grown tremendously. It's changed. We have had more research. We are seeing 
how it's affected people physiologically. We're also introducing more and more programs into the educational systems of healthcare providers and programs because we're beginning to realize that this is essential. Okay, Mary, how does this tie in with traditional medicine, or maybe I should say allopathic medicine? How would someone use this and still be able to work with their allopathic healthcare provider? Well, for example, there is a huge movement in the healthcare professions now, in medicine, nursing, all the different healthcare providers where they're using, they believe, honoring the spiritual dimension of a patient and family's life is essential as part of care. For example, in palliative care, when we're dealing with people who are in chronic pain and chronic suffering, it's essential that we as healthcare providers really honor the spiritual practices of our patients and their families and remind them that it's essential for them to keep this as part of their health care, and we recognize the significance of this. Also, there's a huge <coughs> now in dealing with people at the end of life and how important mm-hmm. spiritual healing is at that time in patients' and families' lives that it is not something that is just extra. It's actually essential in the care of patients with end-of-life, in cancer care, that we actually are finding that without this, we are not truly treating the whole patient. Mm -hmm. Now, in your work, because you work with art in the hospital, art and in, in your work as a nurse, how does this tie in with the art? Do people who are in pain draw pictures of their pain? Well, we have found that introducing art and creative activities into the hospital when patients are suffering and in pain and dealing with all the life-challenging situations and illnesses that they deal with, we have found that bringing in the creative process is really a doorway and an invitation for them to express their pain and also express where their pain is taking them, wherever that may be. There is a freedom in expressing the pain that allows them to go wherever it takes them, whether it's to a spiritual expression or it's just a gripping, physical, emotional suffering that they express in their art, that by releasing their suffering, It can be seen, it can be recognized, it can be honored. And sometimes that is just as powerful as giving someone a medication to ease their pain or Mm -hmm. providing, giving them surgery to heal something that's happening to them, but really taking their pain and honoring the experience of it and the presence of it is so important. And we're finding that by allowing the creative process to be integrated into the healing journey this piece can be very healing and also can ease the pain in and of itself. Do you think, Mary, that this is more accepted by allopathic physicians and practitioners? Oh, yes. I think we have, in the last eight years, it has been dramatic. Hospital administrators, doctors, nurses are really open to exploring these very creative interventions 
and how we can implement them into an allopathic traditional healthcare model. It's the doors are opening, and it's really beginning to happen and being embraced in these healthcare systems. Now, to review, there is an eight-step process in going through this, really in terms of the process of spirit body healing. Let's go over those eight steps. Well, the first step is to be able to go into your own pain and darkness and allow yourself to face the pain in a way that if you're in chronic pain and you're suffering in each and every moment, that one of the most important places to begin is to go to the process of being with that pain. And that's going there and knowing it and experiencing it. Okay, number two? And number two is slipping into that space where we go into the pain and then we go elsewhere. We go into it and we begin to move. By elsewhere we mean going away from the pain and suffering into a place of movement and creativity. It's as if you invite yourself to go into a place where you begin to go into a safe place and you begin to go into the creative process. And something may trigger you. It may be a dream. It may be seeing a sunrise. It may be going to a place of great beauty. And you begin to go elsewhere, daydreaming, writing, Mm making art, and using your eyes and your senses and your whole body to find a new step three, a turning point. Mm -hmm. The step three is beginning to allow your own creative spirit to emerge. You're moving into a realm in which you're immersed within yourself. You're embodied within. It's as if you're moving into your own inner world. But expressing it into the outer world. Number four. Number four is slipping deeper inside this place, going deeper within. And when you're taken, it's like being inside a reality in a deeper place within your own soul. Hmm. Number five is knowing that this is the truth and trusting the process. It's the place of finding meaning in your own life and going into the flow. Number six, embodying the spirit, who you are, being with yourself, embodying your own spirit, merging with that, being with the love and light that you feel within yourself. This energy allows you to release yourself and go to a place where you feel, step seven, feeling healing energy, feeling the energy of love and compassion that you have for yourself. Mm -hmm. It allows the healing energy to emerge and embody you. This will happen. You will feel the compassion emerging for yourself within this process. This compassion is very beautiful and very healing in and of itself. All right. Step eight is experiencing transcendence. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little more about step eight. My guest today is Mary Rockwood Lane. She's co-author of the book Spirit Body Healing, Use Your Mind's Eye to Unlock the Medicine Within. 
And we're talking just about that spirit body healing. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Wine and Women is not your boring wine geek show. It is rather a fresh, fast-paced approach featuring interesting stories and entertaining segments about wine and wine-related topics through a warm and chatty format that will appeal especially to women, men optional. Hosted by wine connoisseurs and luxury lifestyle experts, Julie Brosterman, Lisa Kring, Sharon Borston, and Jeanette Oku, Wine and Women takes listeners to Napa, Sonoma, and other wine regions worldwide to meet the best as well as the newest winemakers, to restaurants to meet top chefs and sommeliers, to wine-themed spas, wine country getaways, even into supermarket wine aisles where Women and Wine Angels swoops down and helps shoppers to get their wine picks and more. Women and Wine broadcasts each Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Women and Wine, enjoying life one sip at a time. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. News Talk Radio, voiceamerican.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. This is a program that shows you how to turn your problems into solutions, your challenges into opportunities. It shows you how to use spirituality and intuition and inspiration and how to make your dreams come true. Today certainly is no exception. We're talking today about healing yourself, understanding where your pain is, understanding what you're really feeling and being able to transform that into information that gives you strength and power. My guest is co-author Mary Walkwood Lane, RNPHD of the book Spirit Body Healing, Using Your Mind's Eye to Unlock the Medicine Within. The other co-author is Michael Samuels, MD. And this book is based on a seven-year university study 
which is the first book on spiritual healing to emerge from a research study in a major university health care center where Mary Rockwood Lane is. And she is co-founder and co-director of the Arts and Medicine Program at the University of Florida. And you can log on to spiritbodyhealing.com or maryrockwoodlane.com. Welcome back, Mary. Hello. Let's talk about the eighth step in terms of using spirit body healing and how we can embrace that last step and utilize it. One of the most important things when you experience the spirit body healing method is part of it is creating a sacred space in your own life, a place where you're surrounded by guardians, angels, helpers. It's a place of beauty, and it's within your own body. And one of the most important things when you take this journey is your life and your experience of your pain and suffering is like it's, it's an embodied prayer. And you move from pain to a place where you are, in essence, a spiritual being. You realize you are healed through your own spiritual creation, your own creative energy. And one of the ways I think that we can do this very easily is by opening our eyes and allowing yourself, when you go through the transcendence of embodying this healing spirit and this compassion within yourself that you feel for yourself, one of the most accessible ways that I have found in my personal life that has really been powerful and healing for me in having written this book and experienced this process myself, is I have found the most accessible way to experience this experience of transcendence is through not only loving myself, but in the experience of me loving others. When I find that I'm in my place of suffering and I'm in my place of darkness and pain, when it is that I need love the most and I want to be loved and I want to be healed, I have found through the knowledge and awareness and the stories that I have heard with each one of these people who have told me their story that the most beautiful part is that I know is if I go out and I reach out to another in love and I give them what I need, and I give them what I'm yearning for, that I actually have giving it to myself. And That's very me, beautiful. It's if very we could beautiful. remember that in our daily life, even if we're not physically healing ourselves, we can use that for emotional healing. Yes. And I have found that when I need to be healed and I want this pain to stop, that I know I want to reach out. And I'm a person who hides inside my pain. And I go inside, and it's like I'm a, I express it in my art and I express it in my writing, but how do I express it in my life and in relationship to others? And what I do is I reach out to others and say, I'm in pain, and I love you. I love you, and I want you to know how important you are to me. And then they look at me, and they return to me, and it's almost as if I get exactly what I need. And it's so incredibly healing and so incredibly beautiful. And that's where the wisdom 
of the spirit body healing method. That's what it's revealed to me at this point in my life. That's beautiful. Mary, how can people learn more? If they're listening to this and they want to know more about the process, what can they do? Well, I think it's really important. There are so many books that are available. You know, my website, MaryRockwoodLane.com, or dot, yeah, dot com, you can make connections with me. And there are so many people out there that are writing and reaching out to support each and every one of you that is listening. You know, you are not alone in the world, and your life is happening exactly how it should, and the pain in your life is your greatest teacher. So look within yourself. The wise one is within you, and you're not alone. How beautiful. Thank you, Mary, so much for coming on the program. Really quite beautiful. Thank you. Folks, that's why we do this program, because it's so inspirational and really can help you transform your life. Next week, my guest is Mark Stevens. His book is God is a Salesman, Learn from the Master. And this book is really about learning how to be more positive, and it's about being a salesperson, but really realizing that success in life and the ability to sell are bound exorbitantly. And whether we're working for a corporate goal or whatever we're doing, we're basically selling. And what Mark Stevens is telling us is that we can apply the lessons of religion to create more positive and mutually beneficial relationships with everyone. So, folks, next week is Mark Stevens. And remember, everyone, I always say this at the end of each program, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next week, I'm Patricia Raskin. You can write to me at patricia at raskinresources.com. Have a great Monday and a great week. listening to Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to raskinresources.com and tune in next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, right here on voiceamerica.com.